All right, if you've got your Bibles, turn with me to Jonah chapter 1. Jonah chapter 1. Today we're going to start our series through the book of Jonah. Um, this is, we're, we're taking the entire book, we're going to go verse by verse. This is called exegetical preaching. We're going to go verse by verse, line by line, sometimes even word by word. And really excited to see what God does through this series. Because here's what we do as, as adults. Oftentimes what we'll do as adults is we look at this story and we say, oh, that's the kid's story with the flannel graph and it really has no application for me. Um, the, the more digging I did into this, um, it's interesting that because in this story Jonah is swallowed by a big fish, no, and notice it wasn't a whale, I know we oftentimes think it's a whale, but actually the text says just big fish, and because a man was swallowed by a fish, oftentimes people believe that this was not a true story, but rather just a, a type or picture or myth. Just proof that people don't believe that God could, could do something that God did. Jesus even references Jonah in his teachings. So he was an actual man. And I believe this actually took place. I believe there was a big fish that came and swallowed Jonah. I, I, I just think that. So what we do as adults is we see these stories like this, like Jonah, like Moses, like all these different things that we grew up as kids hearing. And we say, well, that's for the kids, but that really doesn't have any application for me. Man, the more you dig into the text, the small minor details that we miss in the kids' stories, they really do have application for us as adults and for the kids. So guess what? It's like God's Word was designed to impact everyone. Just think that's interesting, right? Well, it's interesting. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17 says, All Scripture is God-breathed. Now, you remember what God-breathed meant in, in the original language? Theophanuscus, that means breathed out, breathed out by God, and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So, all scriptures God breathed, Old Testament and New Testament. I know that there is a faction of people that believe we don't need the Old Testament. Listen, I couldn't trust the New Testament if we didn't have the Old Testament. Amen? Because the Old Testament points to Jesus. Amen? And so we've got all this that is revolved around, all this points towards Christ. And so I'm really excited to see what this, this, uh, this text has for us. So I want us to begin. We're going to open in prayer and then dive into the text. Father, thank you for the morning. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the opportunity to be able to open your word this morning and to study that word. God, I pray that you would be made much of, that you'd be glorified through this text, and that there would be men and women who would have conviction, encouragement, Father. If we need to repent, I pray that we would. Uh, if we're encouraged by this text, Father, I pray that we'd walk out and live boldly because of what we read in this text today. We love you, and we pray all this in your beautiful and precious name, and for your glory alone. Amen. <coughs> All right. We'll start in the text. This passage, when you, like I said, when you dig deep into the text, um, there, there's so much information. And so I want us to see this first part of Jonah chapter 1. All right. Verse 1. 
Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Get up, go to the city of Nineveh and preach against it because their wickedness has confronted me. Verse 3. However, Jonah got up and fleed to Tarshish from the Lord's presence. (laughs) He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish and he paid a fare and went down into to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Wow. Just when you read that in the beginning of it, sometimes you forget because you don't take time to remember the text. God audibly speaks to Jonah and says, listen, I want you to go and preach against these people's sin. Go to this great city, Nineveh. It's a great city. And I want you to call out against them for their evil has come, come up before me. Like, this is what I want you to do. As we talked last week, in our sermon last week, God's calling on Christians is to warn those about the coming judgment. Like there's judgment coming and there was a judgment coming for those that were in Nineveh. And God chose to use one man to go and proclaim, listen, God's wrath is coming. You better repent and turn. God's wrath is a real thing. Jonathan Edwards said in his famous sermon entitled Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God, the bow of God's wrath is bent. The arrow made ready on the string. And justice bent the arrow at your heart and strains the bow. And it is nothing but the mere pleasure of God and that an angry God without any promise or obligation at all that keeps the arrow one moment from being drunk with your blood. The most loving thing that we can do is warn people about the judgment of God. Romans chapter 1 verse 18 says, it tells us about the wrath of God that's coming. It says, for God's wrath is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of people who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. So those who refuse to listen to God's truth God's word, and furthermore, attempt to suppress God's truth will be dealt with swiftly and fiercely according to God's word. This was what was happening in the city of Nineveh. The people are living unrighteously. And what's happened is God is extending an offering of mercy. Like, I just want you to think about that. The God of the universe is extending an offering against a great city. Imagine a great city in our nation. Imagine a city like New York or Los Angeles or just Boston or some large city, Kansas City. Think of these large cities where there is massive unrighteousness that is taking place. Imagine that is Nineveh. That is a great city. And there are people that are living unrighteously. And God extends mercy to them. But he's doing it not through just... I mean, listen, God could easily open up the roof and just say, Hey, boo! Right? He could just wake us up by opening the roof off and say, Hey, it's me! And no one in the room would go, I wonder. We'd all say, oh, That's him! Right? But he's chosen to use men. He's chosen to use men and women to relay his message 
to people. It reminds me of Romans chapter 10. Starting in verse 13. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Verse 13. Then verse 14. But how can they call on him that they have not believed in? And how can they believe without hearing about him? And how can they hear without a preacher? And how can they... how, How... Can they preach unless they're sent? As it's written, how beautiful are the feet of those who announce or preach the gospel and the good things of the Lord. But all did not obey the gospel, for Isaiah said, Lord, who has believed our message? So faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But this is how God has chosen to awaken his people is through the proclamation or the preaching of his word and it starts with you sometimes you well not sometimes you have to engage and start with the bad news the good news is not good until you hear the bad news you don't you're not excited about the good news until you hear the bad news and listen, God uses human beings to relay his message to other human beings I love this. We've been invited in to play a part in this equation. You, as a person in this room today, have been invited by God to play a part in this invitation. To carry the message of Christ to your fellow human beings. You say, wait a minute, Caleb, I'm not a preacher. I didn't ask you to be. But if you're a, if you're a Christ follower in the room this morning... You have an obligation from the word to go preach and teach and share the word. How do I do that? By just opening it up and talking to people. You can, you can do that. You as a person can share the good news of Christ with other people. And you don't have to stand behind one of these desks to do it. You just don't. We've been invited in to play a part. And we've been equipped for such a time as this. This is the awesome thing. is that God, throughout the text, equips men and women to be able to do certain things in certain places and equips them to go do those things. And he's equipped you for just such a time as this. To be in this place for this appointed time. Listen, God did not make a mistake on when and where he, you were supposed to be. Just like Jonah... You are where you are for a reason, and that reason is to carry the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ to those who need it the most. And who needs it the most? I don't know. Think about the people that you're around that need to hear about the good news of Jesus. Those who are at the gas station, those who are on the job site, those that are in the hallway of the school, those that you, you, they're everywhere. You're going to see them. You've been invited to play a part. Play your part well. That's my challenge, is that you play your part well. Finish strong the race that has been set before you, amen? That's what you're called to do. Nevertheless, that was what Jonah was called to do too. God audibly called to him, listen, the word of the Lord came to Jonah. So God spoke audibly to Jonah. He says, get up or arise Go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up against me. So that was, that was what was called to do. 
God said, go. I need you. I want you to go to Nineveh and call out against these people and tell them that they need to repent of their sins. That's what he called them to do. But nevertheless, even though he was called, he was invited in to do something, sometimes we buck at that invitation. We push against the invitation for the fear of what might happen. Now, we're going to see something a little bit, not, not today, but as we go through the text. Man, Jonah, he didn't like these people. And the reason he didn't want to go is because he was scared that God would actually be merciful to them. Like, you'll see that in the text in a few weeks. Like, he was concerned. I don't want to go preach because God just might forgive them. I want God to kill them all. That doesn't sound very Christ-like, does it? Sometimes we as Christians sometimes do that. But listen, if you're not, if, not me, Pastor. I would never think that I wish God would kill somebody. Okay, at least we've got one honest person in the room. Okay, all right, we've got two. So I feel like we're in an auction. Yep, yep, yep. Throw your hands up. So, Jonah bucked at the system. He was... Afraid of what might happen. Verse 3. So, rather than obeying, rather than saying, yes, Lord, I'd be glad to. What's he do? But Jonah rose and fleed to Tarshish to run away from the presence of the Lord. Oh, my goodness. That's how silly Jonah was. But guess what? You and I are just as silly to run from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship and then he paid the ticket fare to get down into the ship with the rest of the Tarshish to get away from the presence of the Lord. I think it's hilarious that he thought that he could hide from God. But guess what? You and I sitting in this room this morning, some of us think we can hide from God too. There is... There's the truth. I want to lovingly tell you this. You're never going to get away from God. You will never get away from God. Your attempts to hide from God or run away from God, I find it funny because, you listen, I've tried it. I know some of you have tried it. We know from God's word that that can never happen, though. Psalms chapter 139, verses 7 through 12. Listen to this. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you're there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me. Even the darkness will not be dark for you. The, the night will shine like the day, for darkness is light to you. Listen, wherever you go, wherever you go, God is going to be there. Here's the takeaway from that one verse. You and I, you and I can run, but eventually God's going to get you where he needs you to be 
and he just might do it by force. Psalms 23, he makes me lie down. Some, we can lie down or we can be made to lie down. Hmm. All right, let's look at, let's just read through the text now. Whew. So he tries to hide from the Lord. Jonah's trying to hide from God. Buys a ticket, premeditated, bought a ticket. Say, I'm going, bought a ticket to ride. I feel like singing a song there. Anybody? Bought a ticket to ride. And then what happens? He's like, ah, I've done it. I've escaped the presence of God. <laughs> I'm going to get in this ship and I'm going to, I'm going to go. Verse 4. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea. And there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship threatened to break up. Then the mariners were afraid, and each cried out to his own God, and they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea in order to lighten it for them. But Jonah, like, listen, this picture is hilarious. The people on the boat are freaking out. They're praying. All of them have their own gods. They're all pagans. They're praying to their own gods. And then they're like, okay, we've done prayer. Now what are we going to do next? Let's start throwing things off the ship. Let's start lobbing things into the sea to try to lighten the load. Maybe that'll be it. That's it. Okay, now where's Jonah in all of this? Glad you ask. But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and had laid down and fallen fast asleep. I think he was Baptist. Some of y'all, some of y'all sleep this morning. So the captain came and said to him, What do you mean, you sleeper? Get up, arise, call out to your God. Perhaps the God will give us a thought and, and we will not perish. So he's like, listen, everybody else is praying to your God. And you're not here sound asleep. Get up and pray to your God. Maybe your God will hear us. None of our other gods have heard us. Could you maybe check with yours? Listen, maybe if he, if he might hear you, he might give us a thought. Right? Okay. Verse 7. And they said to one another, come, let us cast lots that we may know whose account this evil has come upon us. So they were smart enough to realize, listen somebody's done something they shouldn't have done. Because listen, this storm came out of nowhere. There was a forecast, a beautiful blue sky, and now what? Boom, big storm. Now it's raining. The, the ship's almost in pieces. Somebody's done something they shouldn't have done. Right? So then they said, they cast lots, and so the, the lot fell on Jonah. So Jonah draws the, the short straw, verse 8, then they said to him, tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us. What is your occupation? And where do you come from? What is your country? And what people are you from? And he said, I am a Hebrew and I fear the Lord of heaven who's made the sea and the dry land. And then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to them, what is it that you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. So he tells them, listen, listen, God had told me to go to Tarshish, or I'm to, to, to Nineveh. I'm going to Tarshish, and I, I have disobeyed God. So 
the reason this thing is happening is because we've di- I, I disobeyed God. So he's telling them, here's what happened. I fear God. God made the world. God made the sea. Everything that's in it. I disobeyed him. I'm running from him. I've disobeyed him. And all of this is happening because of this. So these men are asking these questions of what's happening. And then he, then he said to them, or then he said to them, what shall we do that the sea might quiet down? For the sea grew more and more tempestuous. And he said to them, pick me up, throw me into the sea, hurl me into the sea. Then the sea will quiet down for you. For I know it is because of me that this great tempest has come upon us. Now, these men don't know Jonah. Jonah has just offered, said, listen, you throw me overboard. All this will stop. You throw me overboard. Every ounce of this will stop. You will not have to deal with this, this storm any longer. I've, it's me that's disobeyed God, not you. I follow sov- the sovereign creator of the universe, and he's a little upset with me. So guess what? Just throw me overboard. But look what these guys do. Verse 13. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to get back to dry land. Why? Because they don't want to, listen, they don't want to kill this guy. They know if we throw you overboard in this sea, you're dead. So these men don't know Jonah. They're still trying to help him out. They're still trying to help him out. But they could not do it. For the sea grew more and more tempestuous against them. So, like, they're tr- imagine this. These guys are trying to row, trying to make it work. Like, listen, we don't want to... Th-. He's like, listen, just throw me overboard and everything will be fine for you all. He's like, they're like, no, 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 no. We got this. We'll try to figure it out. We as human beings try to get past this, try to figure out what we can do to make things better in our life. But we just, if we just submit to God's authority, things would go so much easier for us. Anybody? Amen? Like, this is the idea here. Is like they're trying to avoid submitting to God. There's a lot of us in the room who have attempted to avoid submitting to God. And listen, I know personally, been there, done that, got that t-shirt. Eventually God's going to get you. What's that old song from Johnny Cash? He's going to come get you. He's going to cut you down. Like there's coming a day you can't escape God. You can't escape him. So, what happens next? Verse 14. Therefore, they called out to the Lord, O Lord, let us not perish for this man's life, or, and lay not on us innocent blood. For you, O Lord, have done as it pleases you. So, they call out to, notice, if you notice in every other mention of a God in this text, it's been a lowercase g. So they're praying to false pagan gods that are not real. Now look at verse 14. They're now praying to who? The Lord, capital L. So now they've, they've moved from praying to false gods to now praying to the sovereign God of the, cre- of the universe. And they're saying, listen, this is your man. Don't hold us responsible for what we're about to have to do. We got to throw this dude overboard. Why? 
Oh Lord, you've done what pleases you. You, this is, you want this to happen, we're going to throw him overboard. Right? So they throw him overboard. Verse 15, they pick up Jonah and hurl him into the sea. And the the sea ceased from its raging. Could you imagine? Oh, it's raging. It's crazy. It's awful. Like, what do we do? Jonah's like, just throw me out and this will stop. And they're like, no, 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 no. We don't want to do that. We're going to try everything else. And then they're like, God, okay, we're going to, we're going to obey you. This is a little scary. We're going to make it happen. We're going to do what you've called us to do. Throw him overboard and ceases to rage. What happens? Verse 16. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly. And they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. So I want you to see what just happened. That whole ship gets saved. The whole ship just got saved. They, they gave sacrifice. They saw the power of God. They repent. They make vows to the Lord. That ship, every man on that ship gets saved. So what does that mean? Even in our disobedience, God can take it and use it for his glory. Listen, he wasn't supposed to be there, right? But God takes what was messy and turns it into a miracle. These men who were all pagans on this boat end up submitting their lives to God. Had jo- Listen, had Jonah just been like, okay, God, I'm going that way. There's a good chance those men wouldn't have known. But listen, even the missteps that you take, God is sovereign over. God directs our paths. But because he went on this route, these men came to know and follow Yahweh. Know that all of this was under God's sovereign control. Every last bit of this was under God's sovereign control. And he redeems a boat full of pagans because of the disobedience of one man. He takes what was disobedient. Now listen, he becomes obedient here in a minute. And God knows that that's going to happen because God's sovereign over all this. He does all these things for just the right reason. Acts chapter 17 verse 26. This idea reminds me of this. From one man he made every nation of mankind to live over the entire face of the earth. He, God, determines and appoints times and boundaries for those who live in those places. So God's determined and appointed the times and the boundaries. Beginning with Adam, he launches the human race. And from that point, he puts people where he wants to put them and gives them the mission that they need to accomplish. And what's the mission? Preach the gospel. Show people who Jesus is. Proverbs chapter 21 verse 1. Like this is, God, God will accomplish in our lives what he has determined to do. How do I know? Proverbs chapter 21 verse 1. The king's heart is a stream of water in the hand of the Lord. He turns it whichever way he will. So listen, this applies to your life. This text applies to you. Your heart 
is a stream of water in God's hand. And listen, he's going to direct you wherever he needs you to go. And why is it that you're able to be part of this? Why is it that you've been invited in for a part to play? 2 Corinthians 5.21 For our sake. For, okay, let's just say, just this morning, just say, for my sake. Go ahead, say my. For my sake. Ready? One, two, three. For my sake. For my sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Oh my goodness. So God made it as if Jesus was me on the cross and God made it as if I was Jesus. How do we say, whoa, 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 Caleb, how does that work? How does that work? By giving me and handing me, gifting me, the righteousness of God. I traded places with God. I, played, I traded places with Jesus. That's what I, I deserve to be on the cross. I deserve to be whipped. I deserve to have my body crushed. I deserve to have the nails driven into my hands. I deserve that because of my sins. But I traded places with Jesus. Jesus took what I deserved on the cross of Calvary. And I received the perfect, spotless, blameless gift of having become righteous before the God of the universe. Woo! So in essence, what happens is that God deposits into my negative account. Like, let's look at this from a banking transactional idea. Imagine my bank account is in the red, ridiculous. There's no way. I've got, it's, it's hopelessly in the red. You okay? Okay, just hopelessly in the red. Anybody ever, man, think about that sinking feeling when you've ever, like listen, every one of us in the room, if you've had a checking account for long enough, there's been moments where your checking account's been negative. What's that feeling like? You're like, oh man. Crud! What do I do? I gotta get I gotta get some money in this thing. You're hopelessly negative. Listen, you could never deposit enough in your spiritual account to get you where you need to be. You don't have the collateral. You don't have the funding to get your account back into the black. But what happens? God, through His mighty Son took me from being negative in my account and turns me into a spiritual trillionaire. Imagine if you opened up your banking app today and you had trillions at your disposal. Listen, all of a sudden, those concerns and worries you had, they gone. Those things you worried about at one point, you're not worried about them. You're like, I have trillions of dollars. I can go buy whatever I want. I can do, well, look at this. I can go, look at this. I'm free. I'm not shackled down into the slavery of what was once there. I'm now free to do what I need to do. What I want to do. Oh, wow, that's awesome. This is what happens. Is that God deposits into my account trillions, spiritually speaking. 
and I am a spiritual trillionaire. I don't have to worry. I don't have to worry anymore because the debt has been paid. My debt is fully and totally paid off. I am taken care of. I am spiritually abundant. Romans chapter 8 verse 1. Therefore now there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ. If you're in Christ, you're a spiritual trillionaire. Woo! We trade places. And look at this. Jesus invites us into his plan and gives us a right standing with the Father and I'm allowed access into the presence of God because of the perfect work and character and nature of Christ Jesus alone. So Christ on the cross allows me access into things that I've never been given access to before. And listen, if you're in Christ, you have access to those things today. So where are we going to end up here? So these men get saved. Jonah's in the sea. Imagine that. Crazy sea. They throw Jonah overboard. The sea ceases to rage. He's treading water. And the boat sails on. The boat continues to do its thing. And he's treading water. Well, crud, what do I got to do? God always makes a way. God always makes a way. If he's called you to do something, he'll make a way to get you where you need to go. It may not be the way you want to go, but he makes a way. Verse 17. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of a fish for three days and three nights. He wasn't staying at the Hilton in this one. He didn't have, well, he did have all-you-can-eat seafood. <laughs> For three days and three nights, he's in the belly of a whale. And it's dark, and it's musty, and it's cramped. It's, not, it's probably not spacious. He's probably not got a lot of leg room. And we'll start in verse chapter 2 next week, but I'm going to read part of it here. But now... Now Jonah is in a position to pray. He could have been in a position to pray in chapter 1. I mean, God talked to him audibly. I love it when people, I'd obey God if God had talked to me audibly. No, you wouldn't. If God had just speak to me audibly, I could obey him better. No, you wouldn't. How do I know? Because they didn't. You're not better than Jonah. You wouldn't listen to God if God talked to you directly. You'd do exactly what Jonah did. I guarantee it. But now, he's at the end of his rope. He's got no other options. He's in a position where he's isolated. Sometimes God isolates us, and it's time for you to get real with God. Chapter 2. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from the belly of a fish, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress and he answered me out of the belly of Sheol I cried and you heard my voice sometimes in your distress sometimes in your trials and your tribulations is the time when God is going to be most real 
And when you're in the midst, if you're, man, if I'm in a belly of a fish, listen, all my other options, I, I don't, I'm not networking, I don't have the right connections, I'm in a fish's belly. I got God and God alone. And listen, scrap all your networking. In reality, all you've got, all you've got really is Jesus anyways. All you've got really is Jesus. And that's all, and listen, that's all Jonah needed. Jonah didn't need his connections. Jonah didn't need a networking tool. He had the master networker, Christ Jesus, and he had a plan already in place. He could have gone a different route. He could have walked to Nineveh. He could have ridden a horse to Nineveh. Now he's got to ride in a fish's belly. And guess what? The fish is going to get him where he needs to be. Why? Because the fish is going to obey God. That fish... Maybe he wasn't there earlier, but he's waiting. Maybe he's under the boat circling. All right, God, I'm just waiting when I see a pair of legs. I'm just waiting, Lord. I know you told me to be here. I'm not sure why I'm here, Lord, but I'm here. I'm doing what you've called me to do as a fish. Bloop. A couple of legs just laying in the water. Done, got him. Oh. The fish was obedient. God can use whatever he wants to to accomplish his. Don't think, don't, don't think, oh, God chose to use me. I don't necessarily want to be used by God. I want to be known by God. There's a lot of times, listen, there's all throughout the Bible. God used a donkey and talked through a donkey. And guess what? He's been talking through him the rest of creation. That was a joke. You just call me a donkey. Listen, all of us can be a donkey at some point. Amen? Don't think, you're, don't think of yourself too highly. Well, God used me. That's awesome. He used the big fish too. I don't want to be necessarily used by God. I want to be known by God. Because when you're known by God, you're going to have your life laid out much better. Much better. Listen, Jonah knew God. How do we know? Because he cries out to him. He's like, you're the Lord, his God. Praise him in this fish. You have access to be able to pray. You don't have to be in a fish's belly this morning. You can pray in this very room. And you can repent of your sins. He repents. Asks God for forgiveness. God forgives him and sets him back on his mission plan. Maybe you've been decades out of not being on your mission plan. All you got to do is just say, God, I'm sorry. God, forgive me. God, cleanse me. And guess what? He will. He'll forgive you today and he'll set you on the path that you need to be set on and move you in the direction that you need to be moved to for his glory and his purposes alone. Amen? All right, let's stand together.